right, good morning. Happy New Year, 2022. You guys feeling okay so far this year? I wanted to do something before we get going. Last night, and I was reminded of this morning last night as I was seeking the Lord for a period of time, I felt, and maybe it's just me, but I'm just going to go for it. I, I felt this kind of self-pity kind of come upon me in this like, woe is me kind of mindset. And so I wanted us to stand this morning. And I remember a couple years ago, I think this was at the beginning of the year, I reminded us that we are not victims. And so I know that last year, 2021, for most of us, was probably difficult and trying. But what if the Lord were to take us through even harder things in 2022? Would you be okay with that? You know that Psalm 23, the Lord's my shepherd. He walks me, or he leads me through the what? Valley of the shadow of death. You may be saying last year was my valley of the shadow of death. What if he does that again? Are you okay with walking with him? Are you okay with him leading you through that? So I want to pray that self-pity and the woe is me mindset will just leave in Jesus' name. And I'm probably just praying for myself, but if that applies to you. So Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. God, we lift our gaze this morning. We sang it in the song. We lift the gaze of our eyes. We lift the eyes of our heart, Lord, to you. And we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the cross of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that he has defeated our enemy, that he has overcome death, and that he has imparted to us life. And Father, I thank you that you are the good shepherd. You are an excellent leader. So we trust in your leadership, Lord. In every word that you have spoken to us, we believe that it will come to pass because you speak the truth, you do not lie. Father, you are not a liar. You are a truth declarer. And Lord, in Jesus' name, I command self-pity to leave right now. Father, we equip our minds with the word this morning, and we command a victim mindset to leave in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray that we would prepare our hearts for suffering. Jesus, you had tribulation. You said we would have it too. But for us to take heart because you overcame. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Anyways, a couple things real quick. If you look in your bulletin, um, there's an insert there. I wanted to just make mention of this. The tongue and interpretation that happened at the youth service in December, 
want to encourage you to read this and let this be your prayer for the youth here at Hot FM. And also, I just want to celebrate Jesus here in a moment. We're going to clap our hands for the Lord. But we were able to raise $2,528 for the youth ministry. And the fact that that was unplanned um, and we're able to do that in the moment, that speaks to your generosity. Generosity speaks to your heart to just be led by the Lord and to trust leadership. So we appreciate that. And that money obviously is going to the youth. And I was talking with Mick about that going towards something where they do something together, whether it's a, a youth conference or a retreat, something like that. Um, even just reminded him to even to buy Bibles to give to the youth. You know, one of his focuses this year is to teach the kids how to understand the word. <clears throat> and that's, an, that's excellent. So, um, yeah, that's good. <clears throat> one of the things as we move into this year, I just want to put this little nugget out there. If you're one of those people who like prophetic words for, two, for the next year, um, something that the Lord kind of put on my heart for me, and maybe this is for you as well before I get into the message, is that I feel like this year the Lord wants to teach me and maybe wants to teach you how to fight the right battles. One of the things I've learned last year is you get, you get caught fighting all these battles and warring against everything, this, that, and the other, and by the time of it, you're, it's over, you're drained, you're exhausted. And then a real battle comes, and guess what? You're not ready, but you don't have much left in the tank. So this year moving forward, maybe we can focus on fighting the right battles, focusing on the things the Lord is telling us to contend and to war against and not just swing at every little thing that maybe comes our way or every little whim of passion that comes to our hearts. We just go running in that direction. But maybe we become a little more detailed, become a little more focused in doing what the Lord wants us to do and, and to fight the right battle. So... I don't know about you, but I plan on doing that this year, fighting the right ones, not everyone. Open up your Bible with me to Ezekiel chapter 34. So you guys remember last year, sometime in November, I did a part one on the topic of shepherds and um, talked about ten Characteristics of irresponsible and false shepherds, and that was um, more of a negative, looking at the bad things of shepherding kind of message. And today I want to close up part two, the function and anointing of a shepherd. So in your bulletin, you should have some, some room there to take some notes. Um, but this is something the Lord put upon my heart, and I've just been reading Ezekiel 34, read right, a dozen times, just just trying to gain God's heart for his people and also God's heart for his leaders and for shepherds. Um, a couple of things I want to say before we get going, um, that this teaching is, my, my heart is that, my prayer is that the Lord would release grace to his body to shepherd. Okay, this is not me trying to talk about myself or talk about the elders or whatever. This is, I believe the Lord wants to release a grace to this body for you to do the work of the ministry, right? Ephesians 4, we'll read that here in a moment. Because when you look at it, you have your own pasture and you have your own sheep. It's called your home, right? Your home is your pasture. Your children are your sheep. 
Your workplace is your pasture. Your employees or co-employees, they're your sheep. They may not know the Lord, but you're there to maybe go and find the lost sheep in that pasture and bring them to the Lord, right? So you need a grace upon your life on how, how do you shepherd people? How do you lead them and how do you guide them? This is one of the, the points of doing this teaching. Another thing I want to say is that this teaching is not supposed to diminish the other fivefold giftings. Right? Just because I'm highlighting shepherding doesn't mean apostles, prophets, evangelists, and teachers are all like down here and shepherding's up here. So often when we talk about these things, that's part of the, 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 the language that's used of like, yeah, the, you know, my grace is up here. Everyone else's is down here. Okay, that's prideful. That's arrogant. That's not the goal of this teaching. You should walk away with just honor and respect for shepherding, but also honor and respect for the other giftings as well. Okay, can we do that? Um, also, going into this, this is going to be more overview. I'm not going to get super detailed because there are seven parts of this, so I can't really go into a lot of intricacies of what this looks like. Um, but I feel like this will help get us started. Amen. Ezekiel 34. Look at verse 7. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey and my flock became food for every beast of the field because there was no shepherd nor did my shepherd search for my flock but the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock therefore O shepherds hear the word of the Lord thus says the Lord God behold I am against the shepherds and I will require my flock at their hand and I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more for I will deliver my flock from their mouth that they may no longer be food for them for thus says the Lord God, indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so I will seek out my shepherd, or I will seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, in the valleys, and in all the inhabited places of the country." I will feed them in good pasture, and their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek what was lost and bring back what was driven away. Bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong and feed them in judgment. Verse 23. And I will establish one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, my servant David. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. And he's talking about Jesus. Verse 25, I will make a covenant of peace with them and cause wild beasts to cease from the land that they will dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. 
I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing, and I will cause showers to come down in their season. There shall be showers of blessing. Then the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield her increase. They shall be safe in their land, and they shall know that I am the Lord when I have broken the bands of their yoke and delivered them from the hand of those who enslaved them. And they shall no longer be a prey for the nations, nor shall beasts of the land devour them, but they shall dwell safely, and no one shall make them afraid. I will raise up for them a garden of renown, and they shall no longer be consumed with hunger in the land, nor bear the shame of the Gentiles anymore. Thus they shall know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and they, the house of Israel, are my people, says the Lord. You are my flock, the flock of my pasture. You are men, and I am your God, says the Lord God. Father, we thank you for your word, and we come underneath the authority of your word. And Father, I pray that you would exercise your shepherding heart over your people. That you would cause grace to flow into our hearts, to shepherd and to lead others. Lord, we understand the severity and the responsibility of leading and influencing people. So we ask for your help. We ask that you would influence others through us. That your leadership, that your grace would flow through us, Lord, and touch many lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So number one, point number one on shepherding. Shepherds equip the flock to do the work of shepherding. Okay, this is what this is all about. Shepherds are not babysitters. Okay, Mick just told me to say that. Shepherds are not babysitters, okay? I talked about seven misconceptions back in November. This was one of them. That, hey, if you need someone just to, you know, give you some sympathy, go find the shepherds because they'll just, you know, make you feel good. No, no, no. Okay? <laughs> they may make you feel good, right? But we're not babysitters, okay? You're not called to babysit people. Shepherds equip. In Ephesians 4, the fivefold ministry is given for what? For the equipping of the saints, doesn't sound like babysitting. It sounds like equipping, getting their hands on people's lives and, and building them up and training them. <clears throat> so question though, in what way, in what way do shepherds equip the flock that the other graces necessarily don't? Okay, in what ways do shepherds equip the flock that the other graces necessarily don't? Now I'm not saying they can't. I'm just trying to make a little distinction here. In what ways do shepherds equip? One of the main things that I would say shepherds do is shepherds help impart the heart of God to people. So shepherds should equip you with God's heart so that you might carry his heart to others. So if we were to line up Five people who had five different graces out of Ephesians 4. Prophets are going to carry the, the rhema word of God. 
right? Teachers are going to teach the word of God, the written word. Evangelists are going to preach the gospel, right? Shepherds are going to impart God's heart to you. That's extremely, extremely, extremely important. It's so important, Jesus comes on the scene and he rebukes the Pharisees and the religious leaders. He didn't rebuke them because they knew the word. They knew the word. They memorized the word. They had the word down. That was easy. What were they lacking? The heart. He says, you honor me with your lips. You worship me with your mouth. But guess what? Your heart is far from me. Irresponsible, false shepherds. The heart. God wants the heart. He wants your heart. Can he have your heart? That's what he wants. Shepherds help you to understand and grab hold of the Father's heart for yourself so that you might represent his heart to others in the body. Shepherds feed, protect, correct, lead, etc., because this is the Father's heart towards his people. Shepherds carry a deep deposit of the Father's heart and release it to the people of God. When the Father gifted the body of Christ with shepherds, he gifted them with his very heart. Jeremiah 3.15, he says, I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. He could have said, I'll give you shepherds with power and glory. No, no, I'll give you shepherds according to my heart. If you don't carry a personal revelation of Jesus as your shepherd, you will be like this most of your spiritual walk. You'll be an alfalfa in the spirit. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. Seriously, if your life in God is like this, Some of y'all just, <laughs> you need to get around someone who has a grace for shepherding. And hopefully, by the end of this message, it could be maybe anyone in the room, right? Because we all should want to grow in this grace. So God sent shepherds into his body so that we might experience the fullness of God's jealous love for his people. God is jealous for his people. He, he wants you to know that. Jeremiah 23, 4, he says, I will set up shepherds over them who will feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says the Lord. Ephesians 3 talks about being rooted and grounded in the love of God, so that we all together might comprehend just a little bit, the Father's love that's in Christ Jesus. So we need some shepherds in here to start helping with this. It can't be just one or two who does it. We need more. Will you rise to the occasion? Will you step forth? Will you operate in this grace to help us to comprehend the love of God? Number two. Shepherds feed the flock the word of God. 
What do shepherds feed the flock? The word. That's really important. Okay, I know it, it annoys me, honestly, but there's a lot of teaching and, and leaders and, and shepherds who just teach like random sermon series or the, the best movie, the new movie out there. Whatever, you name it, they're teaching it. If they're not teaching you the word, then I would say they're irresponsible or there may be a false shepherd. Right? And I'm all, I'm all into, like, the, the Enneagram and, like, you know, the emotional IQ stuff. Like, yes, we need to get better at some of those things. But if you're leaving out this, I have a major issue with that. Okay, I know we're talking about the heart of God. We're talking about emotions. Let's do that. But also, this is the primary resource. I love other resources, right? What's my Enneagram or what's my whatever? I'm a five. It's great. I love it. But my primary teacher is this right here. I want to encourage you to do the same thing. All right, Chris, you're good at some of that stuff too. ISTP. I'm that too. I don't know what that is. Marie, you know what that is? Marie doesn't know either. We need to get Marie her number. That stuff is great, guys. I love it. But shepherds feed you the word of God. You need the word. So as shepherds feed you, part of the role is to help teach you how to feed yourself. So you get around me. We start talking about some stuff. And you're like, man, I really struggle to understand the love of God. Or I really struggle with the discipline of God. What I'm going to do is I'm going to sit you down. Okay, let's get into the word. Let's talk about God's discipline. Let's go to Hebrews 12. And we're going to read it. I'm going to feed it to you. And I'm going to tell you to go home and feed it to yourself. And then... You come back to me two months later. Man, Brandon, I'm really struggling, man, this discipline of the Lord. Like, I just don't get it. Guess what I'm going to do? Okay, let's go back to Hebrews 12. I'm going to feed you the word, and I'm going to encourage you to go home and feed yourself. You come back to me three months later again, and you say the same thing. Guess what I'm going to do? Shepherds feed the word. So this idea that shepherds just kind of preach, um, I was reading a book and they were talking about how shepherds need to reinvent themselves. It was, it was a book on the five-fold ministry. Honestly, it was, it was really discouraging, not for me personally, but just like, but it was talking about shepherds needing to reinvent themselves to be culturally relevant. And I was like, no, no, we don't need to reinvent anything. We stick to the word, okay? One of the ways I feed you the word, and you should be feeding others the word, is through discernment. Okay, this is really important here. Through discernment, you need to discern their level of maturity and their ability to receive the word. Okay, I'm not saying expose their level of maturity. I'm saying just discern it, keep it to yourself, Okay, don't put them on blast, but discern their level of maturity and then begin to teach them the word. I say that because here's what 1 Corinthians 3 talks about. Paul is reaching out to the church in Corinth. He says, and I, brethren, I could not speak to you 
as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as babes in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. In other words, Paul discerned their level of maturity. All right, they're still really carnal Christians. Guess what? They need milk. They don't need the meat of the word. Otherwise, they'll get too prideful. They're babes. They're still dealing with elementary basic principles in Christ. Let me go back and teach those again. Hebrews 5, he says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. Why? Because he says solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use or practice have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So he's saying, I'm discerning some things about your life. We need to go back to the ABCs. You're trying to get to XYZ. You don't know ABC yet. Shepherds do that. So if you hear basic elementary teachings from shepherds, maybe they're trying to tell you something. Maybe they're communicating to you, hey, you're not getting this, so I'm going to teach it again. And you may want to go off to some greater, better anointed teacher, preacher. That's fine. But it doesn't make sense in your growth process that you skip the elementary things. So if you have a heart to shepherd, to lead others, you will discern their level of maturity or immaturity, and you will begin to feed them. You will nourish them. You will take care of them. Amen? Number three, shepherds minister to the flock. Shepherds minister to the flock. And might I add, they do that for free. Okay? Stop giving your money away for all these anointings and all these graces. You don't need that. Okay? Shepherds, leaders should minister to you for free. For free. If they don't want to do it for free, then that means they don't really care about you. They care about themselves. Right? Like if you came to me and I was like, well, I need your money. And then you, you, I need your money. And then you want me to minister to you. Or sorry, I'm, I'm confusing myself here. Point is, you don't need to give your money away. Okay? Freely you've received. Freely give. We'll, we'll just stick with that. We'll stick with that. Just stick with the word. What am I doing up here? Gosh, I'm getting irresponsible. Help me. <clears throat> okay, look at, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm going to read this. Paul says this. He says, I'm so affectionately longing for you, and we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become dear to us. This is, quote, an apostle. Paul, I believe he carries such a shepherding heart for people that he's like, we imparted the gospel to you, but not just that, my own life. So when shepherds minister to you, they get personal. They get involved. They get into your life. They're asking questions. They're curious. But they do it because they want to see you whole, healed, and healthy. One of the issues in Ezekiel 34 God had with the shepherds is that they weren't doing this. 
He says, the weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken. But thus says the Lord, I will bind up the broken and strengthen what was sick. That is the Father's heart for you and for me, is that he will bring restoration and healing to you. And he does that by getting involved in your life. Shepherds search out the broken, weak areas of your life. They love to go beneath the surface in order to deal with the emotions and the motives. They bind the broken, they strengthen the weak, they heal the sick, and they do this with great compassion. Shepherds tend to be more in tune with the mercy of God. They understand God is compassionate. He is merciful. That is his heart. Number four, shepherds protect the flock. God is serious about his people. And I'm learning, you do not mess with God's people. Because when you mess with his people, you're messing with him. God is protective. He fights for his people. Ask Pharaoh. Pharaoh had a hard time letting his people go. So what did he do? <laughs> drowned, he drowned Pharaoh and his army. God, he is a protective God over the flock, and so shepherds are called to protect the people. John 10, Jesus says, A hireling sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, but neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. So you see hirelings... People who don't really care, who are there for the wrong reasons, when they see danger coming, what do they do? Kind of drift into the background. Won't say anything, won't do anything. But someone who carries the heart of God, when they see danger coming, they remind you that no one can snatch you out of the Father's hand. That you belong to him. And they're going to fight for you, they're going to contend for you. Because they desire to protect so one of the ways, though, we help protect people, one of the ways that I have, in my heart, decided to help protect you is by being watchful in the place of prayer. Being watchful in the place of prayer, meaning I'm going to sit in my office or at home and ask the Lord to show me how are we doing, Lord. What is, what is coming? Is something coming? How can we prepare? How can we get ready? But you need to be watchful. So when you're at home, a brother was sharing a testimony with me a couple weeks ago with, in, in raising his children. The Lord revealed to him that one of his children were watching things they shouldn't be watching. So he went to them. Praise God. He's actually watching, being watchful over his family. That's part of your responsibility. Be watchful over your family. Even when you go at work, be watchful in the place where you work. God will highlight things to you. He'll bring things to remembrance. He'll do all kinds of things if you're open to it. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober and watchful because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Acts 20, Paul gives the elders there a little... Goodbye, no. And here he says, 
Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch. Part of the responsibility for shepherding a flock is being watchful for Evil trying to get in, or maybe there's already evil in, and you got to get it out. So being watchful is extremely important in protecting God's people. Number five, shepherds warn and correct the flock. This one is difficult. This one is challenging. This one is hard, but it is absolutely necessary. When you are shepherding someone, you should never be excited to correct them or warn them. Right? If, I, if God showed me something about you and I just start rejoicing that I get to rebuke you, and I get excited, and I start telling people, yeah, I get to rebuke so-and-so. I can't wait, guys. It's going to be so great. I'm going to crush him. <laughs> if you are a sincere, if you're a true leader, when God shows you something about someone and you need to, be, you need to bring correction, you should be in fear and trembling, right? You should humble yourself. Galatians 6, when you see a brother or sister in sin, you who are spiritual, restore them the spirit of gentleness. You should never correct or warn someone when you are angry with them. Okay? Warning and correcting it's very challenging, and you have to be very tactful, but you really have to make sure your heart is in the right place. That verse in Galatians finishes off by saying, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. See, that right there should keep us humble. We shouldn't be excited because we need to remember, oh, wait, six months from now, I could be tempted to do the same thing. And only by the grace of God can I make it through. I believe this year, this is one of the areas the Lord wants to, to, wants to grow us in as a body. I feel like last year we did, in the past couple of years, we've been doing a really, really good job of loving each other well. I mean that. There's so much love in this body for each other. It's, it's awesome. It's amazing. It's what Jesus wants. And as we love each other, the longer we love, the more stuff we see unfortunately. So what do we have to do about that? Do we just go to a different group and say, yo, I'll stop hanging with them because they got all kinds of stuff in there. They got some junk in their trunk. Can't. No. What do you do? Right? I give you permission, starting today, new year, new you, 
you, you get to go and warn them and correct them. Right? But you do it with gentleness. Right? If we really want to grow in love, we need this, this aspect of it. I need to call some stuff out in you, in you and me. Second Timothy 4, he talks about, he's saying, Timothy, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Patience, okay? When you correct someone, you also need to release patience, okay? Give them time to correct their error. Give them time to repent. God's heart is redemptive. He wants redemption. So if you correct them and then you expect within 24 hours their life to be perfect, no. It takes time to make those changes. So give them time. Warn them. Correct them with gentleness, with patience. Okay? So if you correct someone and then they get mad at you and, and somehow I get involved in it, well, I'm going to ask you, did you do it with gentleness and patience? Because if you didn't, then that's why it blew up. Why must shepherds correct? Because the Lord has bound them to. Ezekiel 3. This is Ezekiel's calling. He says, it says, um, the Lord tells Ezekiel, When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Yet if, you are, yet if you warn the wicked and he does not turn from his wickedness nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Okay, but wait, that's Old Testament, right? Well, Acts 20, Paul says, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not avoided declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Right? What have we been avoiding about one another? What have I been seeing in you, or maybe you see in me, but you're avoiding to tell me? That word was just jumping out at me. Paul says, I have not avoided declaring the whole counsel of God. It's so easy when you see that thing in someone and you're just like, eh, God will do it. I'll just pray for them. God, pray for them. Help them, Lord. Just get that thing out of them. And guess what? You see it again, and you see it again, and you see it again. Guess what? You're avoiding. Don't do that. But if you go to them with gentleness and with patience and humility, there's a pretty good chance I think they will receive that. Okay, so 2022, we're not going to be a bunch of avoiders in here. You guys excited about that? <laughs> I told you, what if this year is harder than the last year? <laughs> but honestly, this, this issue of correcting and warning people, in just my small amount of years of walking with the Lord and, and, and doing this, um, this probably grieves me the most because I, I, I get to see that most people and that's, I'm being str- a little strong here. Most people do not respond well to correction. 
Most people, most, let me say this, most believers, sincere believers, they do not respond well to correction. And that, to me, that, that hurts my heart. And I include myself. I, one of my little personal convictions is that I want to be able to, to receive correction, even if they're wrong, even if they do it with the wrong spirit, even if they're being critical and nitpicky, even if I know they're wrong. I still I want to be able to say, okay, thank you for sharing that with me. I'm going to take it to the Lord and see what he says. Can we this year grow in that area? Can we be better at receiving correction? Here's what Proverbs 12.1 says. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge. But he who hates correction is stupid. If you hate correction, like I remember the first couple times when I worked in insurance, my boss would call me into his office, and my, the first thing in my heart was like, oh, oh, no. That little ooh, oh, no, that was me positioning my heart to already hate correction. And I remember, I'm like, Lord, like, I want to be humble enough to where whoever calls me in whoever's office I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're probably right. That whatever they need to correct in me, you're probably right. That I don't have to go in there so defensive. Walls and guard already up. Everything's up. You can't get in here. No one can correct this. But how about I say, you know what, Lord? I'm, just, I'm ready to receive your correction. And I go, I, you know, so over time I learned how to, even in playing basketball, my coach would call me into the office and I'm like, oh gosh. And it's like, no, I mean, I didn't even do anything wrong maybe. Like what if he just wanted to encourage me? But the fact that my heart was already discouraged and already sinking, that was exposing in me. Something in me did not like correction. And God says, if that's you, you're stupid. Wait, it gets better. Hebrews 12. <laughs> Hebrews 12 says, If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. Hallelujah. Verse 7. And then verse 8, here's what it says. You guys get ready. But if you are without chastening, then you are illegitimate and not sons. If you are without discipline, then he says you are an illegitimate son. So in reading that verse, we should all be running to the altar and saying, Lord, please, bring it. But can I tell you when God brings correction, okay, I know we all like to say, God, bring correction, but only you can do it, right? Lord, only you. And then he brings someone in your life who you don't like, you don't respect, and they just give you the word of the Lord. But you dismiss it because it wasn't God. 
I told you guys, we, we do a poor job of receiving correction. We have, I'm telling you, all these boundaries like, oh, you didn't know me for a whole two years, so you can't correct me yet. Okay, well, I guess I'll wait two years and then come. <clears throat> like, what, what's the protocol? Let me ask you this. What's the protocol for someone, in order for someone to bring correction to you? What's your protocol? They got to know you for two years. They got to know the depths of your heart and all the intricacies of your life and where you were born and whatever happened to you. You got to know that. Um, it has to be on a week where, like, I'm doing good, okay? So that was a good week. Can't, like, stack stuff on top of each other. That'd be a good week. And um, it can only come from females. I can't have Joe Goss correcting me, right? I got, I got dad wounds, okay? No guys. Like, like what's the protocol for bringing correction to you? Here, I'll put it this way. I give you guys permission, whether you have known me for a minute or not, I give you permission at any time. You can bring correction to me. You can email it to me. You can text it to me. You can call me on the phone. Okay, maybe just not all at once. <laughs> I don't get all these emails tomorrow. I'm like, what the heck did I do? Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, I love it, but I hate it. But I give you guys permission to bring correction to my life whenever you, whenever you see his fit. <laughs> my question is, like, can I do that to you? I mean, if not, then can you please email, email me and tell me, like, what's the protocol? So that I don't, like, mess it up. We've got to get better at this. Okay, shepherds warn and correct. I'll tell you, that's the fun part. But, guys, I'm telling you, can I just encourage you again, when it comes to warning someone and correcting them, guys, please do it in gentleness. Do it in lowliness. Also do it with clarity. Be clear about what you're, you know, you're, you're correcting. And maybe don't, like, say all, like, thus saith the Lord, this, that, and the other. No, just you bring the correction. Okay? Don't blame God. You do it. Just clearly. Okay, number six, shepherds lead the flock. Shepherds lead the flock. How do shepherds lead the flock? They do it by their example. Shepherds lead by example. In other words, my life should be an example to you. If my life is closed off and you can't see what goes on in my house and see how I treat my kids and my wife, if that's closed off to you, how can I lead by example? Like me up here today is, not, is an example, but not really. Right? I'm being an example, you know, got manners and whatnot and teaching the word, that's fine. But what really is an example is like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, things like that. 1 Peter 5, Peter says to shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you. 
but being examples to the flock. Being examples. Leaders lead by example. Shepherds lead by example. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 7-9, through 9, listen to this example Paul is setting. He says, For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge. But we worked with labor and toil night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you, not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. So Paul's default as a leader was to, I'm going to default in humility and serve as an example versus I'm going to default to authority so that I can control and tell you all, you, all that you should do. Do you see that? A true, a safe leader is someone who defaults to humility first to be an example before they, throw, they just wield their authority and start coming around slashing, dicing, and just controlling and telling everyone what to do. Paul's saying, we have authority. That's not the issue. But here's my heart. I want to be an example to you. Let me try that first. What else does lay, uh, shepherds leading look like? It looks like laying down their life for the flock. It looks like you laying down your life for your children, you laying down your life for your coworkers. Jesus in John 10, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I lay down my life for the sheep. In Matthew 20, verse 28, he says this, it says the son of man Jesus says this, the son of man, the chief shepherd, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give and to lay down his life as a ransom for many. Philippians, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. I want to encourage you, if you have leaders in your life, I want to encourage you to pay attention to how they make you feel with their words, with their demeanor, and their actions. What I mean is, if you're around a leader and they make you feel about this big, and but they feel this big, that's a bad example. If you hanging out with me makes you feel like crap, but I feel really encouraged and strengthened. Like you hanging out with me, it's all about me and little, little, little to do with you. Or you hanging out with me is me always working on your problems because you're the problem. <laughs> That's not what leadership is about. I mean, when I spend time with Jesus, there's times where I feel about that small, but something about him, he just lifts you up. He's like, no, you're a son. You belong to me. Come on, lift your head up. Stand to your feet. So a true and safe leader is someone who doesn't make you feel small and insignificant, 
They actually like serve you. They'll wash your feet. They'll do whatever. I mean, think about when someone that you love and you honor and you highly respect, say they came to your house and just started serving you in your own house. Like, what would that do to your heart? It'd be awkward. You'd be like, oh, like, stop. No, 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 you don't have to do that. It's okay, I'll do it later. But they insisted. Leaders are servers. They lay down their life. Jesus laid down his life. He set the example. So if anyone else doesn't set that example, then their example is not Jesus. Okay, Jesus set the example for leadership. Let's follow it. All right, last one. Number seven. Shepherds work to unify the flock. I put the word work in there because this takes work. Unifying people. Becoming one, one heart, one mind, one spirit is extremely challenging. I have two kids. It's challenging just to get them to be unified at moments. Let's take everyone in this room and let's get unified in here. Right? The first few minutes we're all on the same page. It's great. And all of a sudden, not so great. The shepherds work at unifying the body because there's only one flock. I'm not talking about just in here. I'm talking about out there as well. There's only one flock of God. There's one shepherd. There's one flock. One of the ways shepherds help unify is by Training and equipping. Okay, Ephesians 4 talks about fivefold ministers were given for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect or to a mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we shall no longer be children. So part of unifying us right now is calling us to maturity. I'm calling you to maturity. The more mature you become, the more unified we'll become. A mark of maturity is unity and oneness with your brother or sister. I mean, how mature is it when you have your kids who are just kicking and screaming and fighting one another? You're just like, oh, you're so mature. I'm just so proud of you. No, your first thought is like, oh, gosh, you're still immature. i got to work on them. It's the same within the body. We see all these divisions, these factions, these disagreements, all this stuff. What it does, it exposes our immaturity. We're just immature. 1 Corinthians 3, Paul's like, I want to speak to you as spiritual people, but you're, you're carnal. The lack of unity also is directly connected to the cross. It's directly connected to the cross. If you live a cross-centered, crucified life, you will walk in unity with your brother and sister because you will be empowered to forgive them, to not hold offense, to love them, to be gentle, to be humble. You'll be empowered to do that. But when you're in the flesh, 
No way, Jose. Ephesians 4, it says, For he himself is our peace. This is verse 14. Who has made both one. He's talking about Jew and Gentile. He's broken down the middle wall of separation so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross. If we all live cross-centered, crucified lives, we will truly become one because the power of the cross will rest in our community. Ephesians 4 goes on and he encourages us to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. In other words, we're not trying to create unity here. We're not trying to make unity or oneness. Jesus already did that. Endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit. It doesn't say endeavor to make it or create it. No, keep it. Get your eyes on the cross and see what he did. He made you, my worst enemy, my brother. And we can be one. And I can, I'll lay down my life for you. I'll take interest in your interests before I do my own. So shepherds unify the body. Okay. I want to take a moment to pray that the Lord would release grace in my life, in your life, in this body to shepherd. Could you stand with me? Let's just start asking the Lord to teach us. Teach us how to shepherd. Father, teach us. Teach us, Father. Teach us. Show us who you are. Show us the great shepherd. Show us, Lord. Teach us. Help us. Help us, Lord. We ask for help. I ask for your help, Lord. Father, would you release grace? Would you release an anointing over this church? That we would be a people who shepherd well. Lord, we want to do the other Ephesians 4 graces well. But Lord, this morning we're focusing on shepherding. Show us who the great shepherd is. Make him known to our hearts so that we might shepherd others well. Lord, I pray that we would not misuse and abuse your people. 
that we would humble ourselves, that we would walk with a low heart, a heart with courage to do what's right, a heart with courage to do what's right when no one is looking, when no one would ever even know. Father, I thank you that you are releasing grace right now to hearts, to shepherd, to shepherd their children, co-workers, those in this body. Lord, we need healthy leaders. We need leaders, Lord, who lead from your heart and your word. Father, we need more shepherds here at Heart of the Father. Lord, we need more examples. Lord, we need those who will lead, who will protect, who will warn and correct, who will guide, who will lay down their life. Jesus, you're the great shepherd. You are shepherding your church with greatness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's just wait on the Lord just for a moment here. You will never go astray seeking after my heart. You will never go astray seeking after my ways. If you will join your heart to my heart and my love for my people and my body, you will always be in the sweet spot of my love yourself and you will not go astray. You will not damage and hurt others when you love them from the source of my love for you and through you. Follow after my heart in this season 
follow after my heart and seek my heart, not just for yourself, but for those in my body around you, and I will teach you how to be a redemptive expression of my heart that will heal the brokenhearted, that will lift up those who are lame, and will cause those who are sick to be healed. that we ask for your heart. Would you impart, God, your heart to us? Lord, would you take our hard hearts, our stony hearts, hearts that can turn to evil so quickly, and would you give us a heart of flesh? Give us your heart, God. Give us your heart for our own lives, Give us your heart for those around us. Give us a heart for your body. God, give us a heart for the lost. God, give us a heart for the nations. God, give us a heart for your word. Oh, that we would love your word, God. Oh, that we would love your word. Because if we don't love your word, we don't love you. God, give us your heart. Give us your heart, God. Thank you. feel like you need to respond by coming forward you can do that or sitting down but let's just ask God for his heart just for a few minutes we ask for your heart
I felt like when we were listening to the Lord, I got this picture of people in this room. Um, I saw this shepherd, and he had his staff, and he was, like, beating the sheep, like, um, in a kind of abusive way. And then I saw the picture of the Lord, just his heart for that and how, how burdened he was for that. And I saw this picture of him just taking the staff as the good shepherd and just lifting it up as a real leader in gentleness. And um, I just feel like there's, there's two sides the Lord wants me to pray into, if you guys are okay with that for another minute. Just people that have been um, influenced in the past maybe by or felt like they've been under abusive leadership or you've had that in any sphere of life or you don't trust leaders or you have that sense of you're fearful of what a good shepherd really looks like because you don't know that. So I want to go after that first, but Lord, we just say right now, we thank you, God. You're such a good, good shepherd. I just pray right now, God, over anyone in this room, Lord, that has had um, a, a bad example or a poor leadership over them, God, or been abused in that way, Lord, or people tried to manipulate or control to get what they desire, Lord, we just break that off in the name of Jesus. And we just pray, Lord, instead, God, that you would minister to their hearts, that you would restore, God, that there'd be such a love in this community, God, such a trust that you're forming amongst people here, Lord, there'd be no fear of correction, God. There'd be no fear of rebuke because, Lord, you are raising up true leaders and true shepherds that really love you and walk in a spirit of gentleness. And I just want to pray for that, Lord. I pray that, God, you would help us to walk in gentleness, Lord, that we would never think that we're higher than we ought to be, Lord, that you would keep us low and humble and weak, God, and dependent on you, God, with you are so merciful to your church, God, and we do not pretend to have it all figured out, and I just pray, Lord, would you just consume our hearts, Lord, with that, that we would be gentle and low, God, to those around us, Lord, that we would just have your heart for people, God, even the most difficult of scenarios, God, would you just grace us, Lord, with supernatural peace and gentleness in our conversations, God. I pray that our words, Lord, we would think about what we say before we say it, God, that you'd help us, Holy Spirit, that you would direct everything that comes out of our mouth, God. We would not use it as a weapon, God, or for our own gain, Lord, but instead, God, you would help us to construct and restore. And so I just speak that over the atmosphere, Lord. Fill us up with what it means to be a true shepherd, God, and any misconceptions or hurt from the past. We just pray healing over the atmosphere right now because there is power in the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus is so active. We sang about the cross. It is so active for today. So we just speak it out over the atmosphere, God. Things that would normally take years of mending, God, you can restore in an instant, God. So I just pray that you would do it. I want to see you do it, Lord, that you would minister to your people, God, that you would just have us, Lord, understand what a good shepherd really is, God. And every broken part. God, every relationship, mother, father, any workplace relationship, any church, any ministry, anything that's been distorted in the past, we just rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And I just pray instead, God, that you would help us, Lord, to fill those voids and be good shepherds, Lord, to be peaceable with one another, God, to love each other well in Jesus' name. 
Yes. So, Father, lift up your rod and your staff as the great shepherd in this place. God, you would ward off the enemy, that you would bring correction as you please. But, Lord, we welcome your rod and your staff that you desire to lift up in this place, that you will lead us and guide us into the future. You will lead us and guide us in dark places, in low places, on the mountain, in the valley, through the rivers. God, you will lead us and guide us with your rod and your staff, and we welcome that. We love that. We love your rod and your staff, Jesus. We love that. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen.